Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, you guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. Hi, hi there, neighbors. Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. I am Chris Sinclair. I am your host today, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Drew Garrison, the less famous one. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing. I'm doing good. I hate how that's like that's like an actual verifiable thing because when we get mentioned in public, or like you know, Sacramento City Publications, it's it's your podcast, not not our podcast, which still obviously really bothers me. But here we are making waves. Still doing this thing week after week, despite the fact that my celebrity has not grown at all. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. That's right. You're, you're famous to me, buddy. Oh, You'll get finally. There. That's, that's all I wanted. Yeah. Said, finally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know, you occasionally, occasionally get like the, the comments about, you know, you get like a text message and someone talking about an episode and then, you know, you forgot what you said in the episode. So you have no idea what that person is talking about. Every time. Oh my gosh. For anybody who's ever done that to us, we we do apologize. It's just as soon as we, as soon as we hit record, it's just like nothing is then remembered again. I actually got it's- I uh, um our our good friend Krista hit me up the other day and she was like, oh no, do I have to come on to the podcast to defend myself? And I was like, yes, definitely. Also, what did I say? Yeah, what did I say? Who's Krista? Krista Kempel. She's amazing. Love you, Krista. <laughs> See, I have no idea what's going on ever. Um, well, hey, man, what's going on? We're we're recording after Father's Day. I was yeah. uh, happy was belated. Father's yeah, happy, happy belated, uh, as well, happy belated Juneteenth as well. Yes, first, yes, first ever federally recognized year Woo-hoo. holiday. Yes. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was funny. I I had, I saw that you had closed the shop today. And I just was like, God, that guy will take any excuse not to not to work. Like Jesus, oh, like oh, this was one ouch. of his great one of his greatest events of all time. And then he just was like, Nope, not doing it, not anymore. Well, and I, then to be fair, I did I did spend the day working. I just wasn't making money. Yeah, and then I yeah. um, usually usually Mondays are an administrative day for me. So I was I was churning out. I actually had a very high success rate on emails today. It was bizarre. I just like I I'll run the numbers for you later. I just couldn't believe how many people responded. Usually it's like screaming into the void, but uh, but I went out that's into what the, the living podcast room. Is for right. That's yeah. That's where it's supposed to happen. Um, but I went out and I saw my my wife had had made popcorn at like eleven. Ooh. And I just was like, I was like, I was like, hey, you know, I mean, I was like, are you, are you not working today? Take another. Did you take the day off? She's like, no, it's a federal holiday now. And I just like, oh, shit, this is actually a thing now. Good. That's great. I'm happy to hear that. Um, so. So, yeah, so she she took the day off and I'm glad she did. She's got the, you know, focusing on taking care of herself. It wasn't dumb like me and just continued to work all day, not knowing any better. Um, but, hey, what are you going to do? This is the first so, year. I mean, ne- there's always next year. There's always next year. Yeah, there's a lot of things. And I think and I think now everyone knows that we have a third person here, but they're like, who is this third person? So before we do the proper, proper intro, I want to drop some I want to drop some knowledge. This person is a boss. This person is a coffee sorcerer. It's like a wizard boast for coffee. And it's funny. Um, she's a dungeon master and she's a lane That's boss or she's a la jefa. Right. Did I say that right. 
It's Let, not yep. FA because it's a lady, lady time. It's a lady. Um, and she doesn't have time to print to, 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 to fully say touche. So Chris, you can you hit the music? the ramp our guest tonight is the one the only laney jewelry laney you got your walk-up music you're the only guest in the good bottle <laughs> podcast history to have your own walk-up music and you i mean what my life <laughs> did we yes she's a proud business owner but her life has finally come together today on the good bottle podcast in this moment my yes. life is made yeah, Forever. for those of you who don't know what that is, that's Kenny Loggins, and that is from the Top Gun soundtrack. So yes. you're fucking very welcome. topical, very topical right now. Yes. But it's also um, my favorite uh, movie soundtrack. Like, I will, Top I will Gun? play that. Yep, yeah, the first one. My my other my other um, my favorite movie soundtrack is also Kenny Loggins, and it's Footloose. I mm. knew it. I knew you were gonna say that. You just mm. you have those Footloose vibes. Kevin Bacon was on um, Hot Ones this week too. Really good. It was it was a fun. Was, I love I love when like older actors go on to that because he's definitely a guy who's been through forty years of horrible interviews, and you can just tell that they're <laughs> overwhelmed, obviously, because the hot sauce is ter- is like terrorizing them. But they're also just getting questions asked them that they're just kind of like they're just blown away that someone just gives that much of a shit. So I love that show. So Kevin Bacon this week. But we're not talking anymore about about bacon and the six degrees of chicken wings. Um, Lainey, we're talking to you. You are one of the co-founders of Remedy Coffee Supply, and we are so excited to have you here. Um, We've been wanting to get somebody from the coffee world onto this podcast for a long time. Um, We met at a mutual friend's house in his living room, and you just were like, I'm in, I'm down. I think we had said (laughs) two (laughs) words to each other, like, I'm Drew, I'm Lainey, and that was it. And I was like, you were in. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about remedy and then also, uh, what are you sipping on? Yeah. Um, so as, as everyone knows, my name is Lainey and I like Kenny Loggins. Um, and I've been in the coffee industry for about 12 years. It'll be 12 years in September, which is really exciting. Um, eight years of that has been in specialty coffee and then six years of it has been in coffee sourcing. So I've been working on the, the not barista side for, for a while, um, which I personally love. And what's another fun thing? Um, I'm a book nerd. I like to read anyways. That's, that's all you need to know. Uh, and I work for Remedy, and I'm drinking Slain Whiskey from Ireland. Uh, it is, I'm just going to read the bottle. That's okay. Please, please. <laughs> just the, the whole back label. Include include the uh, the milliliter size. And yeah, 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 yeah. So we're at a 40% volume, one liter. <laughs> wow, that's a good one. Yep. I mean, listen, I like to drink responsibly. I'm not going to finish this entire thing. That's how responsible I'm going to be tonight. Um, yeah, so it's a triple cast, and it's out of Ireland, as I said. But something that I, because I was there in the end of January of this year, my first international trip since being grounded 
because of hashtag the Rona demon. Um, that's COVID in case anyone was curious. <laughs> oh, put those two together. <laughs> um, but it was, it was interesting because like it, it's in a, a castle. It's in Slain Castle, which apparently they're like world renowned for their incredible rock concerts, which I had no idea until I showed up and they, they were like, oh, yeah so-and-so is here and i'm like that's cool (laughs) um but their sustainability practices like just took me over the edge of like falling in love with them and their whiskey is really nice it's like it's a little bit sweeter than i'm used to but it has like a really beautiful like full body to it Mm -hmm. um gosh every time i see a full body i just think of body yada 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 that's got to be really tough in the coffee world because i feel like that's a that's a very consistent note i mean the amount of times that I have some sort of like culturally relevant something that flies out of my mouth, like when I'm tasting coffee is I, I'm going to say it's unmatched. And I realize that that's an aggressive thing to say, but I feel <laughs> you could ask any person that I've cupped with and there's going to be some sort of colloquialism. I like, like that you said cupped with, uh, that's, uh, I feel like that it's it? all, I feel like it's also, you could also say spooned with, but that maybe has different connotations. Just so a, is that, is that the phrase is cupped with is like, that's, that's it's what coming. you, that's so what you coffee. people talk of. That's how you talk about each other. When you drink together coffee, you cupping it's, together. Yes. It's, it's called a, it's a coffee cupping, but I always oh try God. and remember to say a coffee tasting and not a coffee cupping when I'm with like people that are not in the industry because of how inappropriate it sounds like. It's lovely. It makes me so happy. I feel like I feel like, you know, we're scratching the surface of this underbelly that I was excited about this conversation coming into it. I'm out of my fucking mind now. Like I am like, I'm like, I'm learning new words. I'm getting insider info. I'm going to take this back to my coffee people and just blow their minds. Like I'm one of you now. Like that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'll give you some isms after this. They'll call me Professor Laney. And then I'm in. I'm in. Okay, so you so you come across you come across this coffee or this this whiskey. One of the things that you just mentioned was like the sustainability factor, and you know, going through your history, this is obviously something that means a lot to you. Like going back to your Verve coffee days, which mm-hmm. which I want to I want to get some clarification on your timeline. Okay, mm-hmm. so so you start Remedy Coffee in July of 2020. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Uh, yeah actually the legal documentation would say july <laughs> okay okay so legal documents going to so this probably so this obviously starts you know well before the rona demon has has kicked off but like do you feel that the rona demon accelerated it made it just inevitable or because it's like you know you you leave this company like you leave verve which is a coffee roaster um who's sourcing coffee from all over the world you can have it delivered to your home they help you figure it out it's really great uh like how much you need was what i mean and then uh you know again if we're looking at july 2020 you're we're a few months removed from lowering the curve and Mm -hmm. you just were like we're starting a business um what was it like at that time to be like well i guess we're doing this now i guess i'm the founder of this new company at a time when nobody knows what the hell's going on in the world yeah i mean I wouldn't say it was the wisest decision, but it was one of the best decisions. Like hindsight's twenty twenty, always. Mm-hmm. Um, like I wouldn't change it for the world. Like when you think about it, you're like, dude, 
we done did something crazy by starting a business. Um, but what's funny is like when I left Verve, I thought I was leaving coffee altogether. Like Remedy initially was supposed to be uh, wine, like and starting to like work with wine producers in a similar fashion that I was doing in coffee. Because um, at that point, like I was just I was so burnt out from coffee and like COVID just exacerbated like all of the mental things that were happening like in my life like <laughs> in the, like previous years so it's funny like when I left a verb it was like I just thought I was leaving coffee I was leaving coffee and so when Remedy started actually roasting coffee in October of 2020 it was just this <laughs> I had to send the text message to like all of our producers being like hey I'm back can I buy some coffee? And they're <laughs> and what was great is like ninety percent of them were like, "Oh, pff, we knew you'd be back." I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> so, so you know, there, like I said, there's there's this world of you know going around and sourcing up, and I feel like people are you know because of like the Starbucks of the worlds and things like that, and all these different coffee services that you can get, like whether it's Verve or I do Atlas Coffee. That's the mm-hmm. one that I'm currently subscribed to. Um, I wish I was better about it. Like we actually, like I tell my wife all the time, I was like, we need to take notes on the things that we like because we're just burning through it. And sometimes we're like, this stuff sucks. And other times we're like, this is really good. What was it? And we have no idea what it is, but anyways, um, you know, people are, are becoming more aware of this stuff. And in our world, you know, I liken it a lot to, uh, kind of like, you know, the mezcal right now where Mm -hmm. there's so many different places that you can get it. And there's all these different interpretations and, and things like that. When you are sourcing this coffee and stuff, and I believe at one point, I want to want to make sure I have the right phrase here. Um, oh no, I got I got rid of it. But you were you were a green coffee specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, what 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 does that mean? Like, what what does it mean to go out and try to source coffee this way? Like, what is go what goes into that? Well, I mean, it depends on the type of company that you want to be. Um, so with Verve, it's a very mission-driven company. And so the purchasing that we were doing was very much focused on the well-being of the supply chain uh, and making sure that like we are building relationships and like and we're building consistency. And that's something that like where that's like where I became really passionate, like as a young buyer of just like Oh no no like we're working with the same people year after year and building relationships and like and working through different harvests different harvest sizes um having to work with like the economies crashing or having a hurricane destroy like an entire buying region and like working with producers to like to rebuild um so that's that that is what is considered like relationship based buying. Um, it's also like it's been called direct trade, but direct trade and and versus relationship buying is different because of that actual um that of the actual having relationships with producers and with millers and exporters and importers, where direct trade is just an identification of like how much are you paying? Like, are you directly working with exporters? Do you know what's considered like the FOB price or the free on board price, which is like the price of coffee before it's imported? Um, where it's like where the 
work we were doing at Verb and we do at Remedy is very much focused on like how like how are the producers doing? Like it, I just had a I had a conversation like with um his gentleman's name is Benjamin Paz out of Honduras and a producer that we worked with was talking about how like this year if he wanted to break even he'd have to sell his coffee for ten dollars a pound. But median price for coffee this year at least is around like four dollars per pound. And it last year the price was like three twenty five per pound. Um so it's I'm getting on a tangent because this is what I love. <laughs> but no, no no this is this is what we wanted to explore because again I, and I think for most of our listeners I think all of us probably drink coffee and enjoy the hell out of coffee. Mm-hmm. And we know that we make conscious decisions when it comes to our spirits. So we should probably be more aware of this. So don't worry about it. This is, this is exactly why we brought you in. So keep going. All right. So, you know, he needs to, he needs to charge $10. There's obviously no way he can charge $10. So go from no. there. I mean, so, but that's also like where, like just management comes in when it like in terms of like fiscal responsibility, but then also like having those conversations with buyers of like, I've had conversations like with producers who were like, Hey, like I know that my coffee is only going to score this, this year. And I know that like we've agreed that if it scores this then you get paid this, but like, because of harvest size, like, can we, like, can we charge more? And just being like, yeah, because it's, it's all about the conversation of like, Yes, it's a business. Like, there's no question about it. Like, having your, I don't, I don't want to say the bottom line, but understanding like what is the most you can pay, and like, and still have it make fiscal, have it be fiscally responsible, is real. But also just like being like, okay, well, this year, like, we are going to pay, like, it's just going to be a little bit higher, and we're not just going to make as much profit as we would have last year. Um, cause there's always going to be that give and take in relationship, just like there's always that give and take in business. Um, and so that's just kind of our, that's just the sourcing. So being a green coffee specialist, actually like returning to what <laughs> your question was, uh, that was more the scientific aspect of it. So it's like going through and tasting, doing a bunch of cuppings, so many cuppings, um, to just understand like the sensory aspect, but also like do uh, quality assurance, quality control, um, making sure that all of our arrivals versus like what's considered a pre-ship, which is like the coffee that we taste the coffee before it's shipped. And then we taste the coffee after it's shipped. So like cupping them against each other to make sure that they're correct, doing the green grading to make sure, which is like looking at the beans before they're roasted to make sure that there's no, um, issues with them. Uh, they're called taints. God, yes. this is so much That's tired. fantastic. That just was, made my day. Just in my head, I was like, do I, do I say it? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, okay. I so do. now one of the things that you meant, you mentioned earlier was scoring and how that can affect price. What does that mean? What is scoring? I don't, I don't know what that, like, like you, you're rating the coffee beans is, mm-hmm. So it's similar to wine where like, you'll be like, oh, this is a 91 point wine or so completely full of shit. Is that what you're saying? Because that's, oh, she's making verbal gestures (laughs) that would agree. Non-verbal, 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 non-verbal. I I have a lot of opinions that my business partners will tell you about offline. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, I, I, I think if, I think if, you know, to kind of put it into the spirits world, it's like, 
It's like, do I put any stock in any award or score that any of my products have ever gotten? Me mm-hmm. personally, no, absolutely not. My customers, yes, absolutely. So I will use them in order to sell those products. And I have no problem with that. That's, but That's such a good point because that literally what you just said is what I get hung up on of like, I've like, I've been a good food awards judge for a couple years. And so I know the behind the scenes of things. And I'm just like, it's all comes down to like personal preference. And it doesn't actually, like, it doesn't do anything for like, but this is where I get stuck though. It doesn't do anything for the producers. It doesn't do anything for the supply chain. Yeah. Uh, but but you're right. Like customers and consumers do care about that. And that's where it's like like Jordan Johnson, um, my business partner, is very much like, no, we need to send our coffees to coffee review. We need to send our coffee into good food awards because people care about that. Consumers care right. that like our coffee is highly rated. Where right. it's just like but like it doesn't matter. But then it does matter. <laughs> <laughs> so now when it comes to when it comes to sourcing, like I I'm trying to envision the scenario here and and how it's worked out with like some of my like like my suppliers. So like one of my suppliers, you know, they they bring it in, like you know, they bring in some some rum. They're like, oh, you should also talk to my friend who produces, and it kind of just grows from there, mm-hmm. like through relationships and stuff like that. And then we have like you know, former guest of the show, a mutual friend of Chris and I's, our friend Kelly, who like she is she brings in um, French wine, and she is literally just driven up to people's homes and been like i saw that you have wine do you sell it and that's how that worked and now she brings in wine that way what is it is it similar like that in in coffee where you're kind of like i see beans in your backyard let's talk like <laughs> I, those. <laughs> yeah. I mean that there there that has happened a couple times like there's this one story um like co-founder of verve colby was we were he was in honduras and we like there's a producer that they work with and now i get to work with still his name is juan benitez and he juan benitez is like one of the highest altitude farms like in this micro region and colby's like hiking like this farm with him and he like he looks over and like sees another farm that's higher than juan b's farm and he's like who's that guy like whose farm is that and they're like oh it's just this guy manuel viaceo's farm like can we taste it? Like, and now like, that's another one of Verb's relationships. So there is like that aspect of it. There is also the aspect of just producers walking into the office with coffee saying like, Hey, I got coffee. You want it? Yeah. Um, and that, that happens. Can, can, can <laughs> that you ha- explain um, uh, the importance of altitude on, on the coffee? Like yes. why, why that would have mattered? Yeah. So Again, this is a great parallel with wine of like, depending on the terroir, like and depending on the variety, it can drastically change the flavor. And within coffee, much actually the best way to describe this would be like, it's so coffee's a coffee's a fruit, coffee's a stone fruit. It's a cherry, it's a peach, it's within that family. And the best tasting peaches are the late harvest peaches because they are the peaches that have had to work the hardest to like to metabolize sugars. So it's always the sweetest. And in the coffee world, 
the higher the altitude and the more stressed the plant is, the better quality it's going to be. Um, and so within coffee, like what I'm looking for, like when I'm looking at terroir, I'm looking like, okay, so where is there, what's the sun like? Is it too much sun? Like, do we need to plant some, some shade trees to help like with the stress factor? Like, is it, is it cool in the nights? Is it like hot days? Like looking into all of the different things that are similar to wine um, and just making an assessment like based off that. So altitude is one of the, what's the scientific word I'm looking for that starts with the V variables. There it is. Uh, boom. Nailed it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, is one of the variables that, like creates that stress factor and helps with the complex, like the building of the complexity and the sweetness within a high quality coffee. Interesting. So in, in the agave world, we have um, what people will refer to as like agave bros and agave bros are in, and I think people are, they can kind of go back and forth with some of this stuff. The way I look at them now is, you know, a bunch of people who want to tell producers how they should be making their mezcal, right? So it's like, oh, don't use a mechanical shredder or you shouldn't, you know, or don't use like, you know, don't inoculate, don't, don't do this. And basically just kind of like the white knight syndrome as well, um, telling people like, this is what, this is what ancestral mezcal is, bro. You know what I mean? Um, does that exist in coffee? Oh, my gosh. Andrew, can I call you Andrew? I just, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's my, it, it is my saintly name. So go for it. St. Andrew. <sighs> Let's slow down here. Nope. Charity said nope. It. It's, in the, it's in the ether. So that is, that's like one of my biggest pet peeves, but okay. But this is like, it's a pet peeve now. Cause I mean, when I was a young buyer and I thought like I ruled the world and like I knew everything absolutely in my first season i like i had that judgmental like oh my gosh mm-hmm. they do that like totally do they not know um yes i know that i'm a total b in my head so <laughs> just to move, move past it <laughs> but we like when you're when you're out in the farms like and the more people you talk to and the more like you recognize that this is a generational commodity you, you start to realize it's like, oh, like there's more often than not, like they just don't have access to education or resources or like this is the best that like they can do because like of X, Y, and Z. So the, yes, there are coffee bros and it, it, they drive me nuts. But at the same time, it's like, it's always a conversation that I have with people like afterwards of like, Hey, I just want to like, let's like, let's talk about like you asserting your white knightedness. Um, because it's can be more damaging. Cause the thing that like with like all producers, like I, I feel like I can make this generalized statement is all producers are proud of what they do. Like I've never met a farmer that isn't like, isn't proud of the work that they do. And so to have someone that comes in that only visits you once or twice a year to be like, 
bro, you're totally doing this wrong. Like you just destroyed the integrity of your relationship with them or the potential of it. When it's like, I don't know anything about agronomy. Like I know what I've picked up over the years and like what I've researched, but this isn't my livelihood. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of a harvest they had. I don't know like what's been happening in their world to make those judgment calls where it's like, and that's where like you, I always talk to agronomists because like a lot of them, like all the producers that we work with, I have like a relationship manager, a manager in that country um, that just are the day to day that they're the, like the touch points, like when I can't be there. And it's like, I'll have a conversation like with the agronomist or just like, or ask them questions of like, Hey, like I noticed this, like, have they tried this? Like, have there been trials surrounding it? Um, and especially right now, cause it's such a hot topic is like different processing methods of like, this guy's washing his coffee, but he should be doing this triple anaerobic fermentation, 36 hour something crazy when it's like, that's a risk, but which we can go into that now that I'm realizing I said something that may not make any sense to you whatsoever. Nope. We both just glazed over. (laughs) That makes sense. I can see see in both of your eyes. You're like, what is this chick saying? Why did we bring her on to this podcast? No, 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 no. We're just, but I think it's, you know, to, to, to hammer it home. It's like the, the, I would assume that the risk is that if that doesn't work and they're not used to that style and method, now they're out all of that product. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, well, so that's, really, that's not even that's not even taking into consideration if there are any uh, um, like fiscal investments mm-hmm. necessary for even achieving that, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. Which is like it's so within the producing world, you get paid once a year, sometimes twice. If like if you get if your coffee tastes incredible and you end up like getting a second payment from your buyer or like your, your importer exporter. Um, but you have to live off of that, like that money for an entire year before you'll see money again. And all producers have to get a loan against their farm, like to make it through harvest season. And like, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely like insanity that that's just like the way they have to live. But it's like, that's, it's insanity because I don't fully understand it. And I don't like, like I live so paycheck to paycheck that like getting paid once a year just sounds like it doesn't fully compute in my head, but maybe this is just showing a weakness of my own like fiscal responsibility as another conversation for another time. But, (laughs) um, so then asking someone to like, completely change up like their livelihood that they know works and is trustworthy that could completely risk that single payment that they're going to get. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I would for sure say like, hell no, like I won't go like, uh, uh-uh. yeah. unless you want to pay like for that mistake, if it goes wrong, like right. more often than not, producers are going to be, are just going to kind of like look at you and be like this right. chick. <laughs> So, so, so now to, so let's, let's, let's back it up a little bit. So like, that's kind of like your more of like your insider stuff and things like that. But obviously there are a ton 
of people who drink who drink coffee from from your perspective and you know in your time in coffee like what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions or things that you wish more consumers knew about when it came to coffee from your perspective now for like just like your normal everyday drinker um i think it would have to be that over 17 different pairs of hands touch your coffee before it touches your lips. And that sounds like gross, especially like coming after the COVID situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it sounds just, a lot better if you, t- if you call them beans, you know, I'm trying to keep this somewhat PC. No, no, <laughs> no, no. We're, we're so far past that. We're, we're through the veil now. Well, I mean, so then I probably should have said that my actual title is like Bean Queen. Amazing. (laughs) We're just, you know, anyways. So it's, yeah, it's that fact of there's 17 different humans on average that, that touches the coffee at some point or another to get it to your cup. And those people are lost in translation because there's just this like obsession and like this blind consumerism that happens of like, just give me what I need now. And it's so easy to forget about it. Like to forget about the, like the, the pickers and like even the people that work at the mill that have to like work all the machinery, but then also like all of the cuppers, like within the different labs, they're tasting like they're, it, it passes through so many different gateways and that like the price that we pay at the end covers so much of like, of these people's livelihoods. And so I think for me, it's like, I just would want consumers to be mindful of like what they're, of what they are consuming. Um, But I also like know that I'm one of the few people like in this industry that has had the pleasure of like, of seeing all 17 hands in work and know that it's also like, it's my responsibility to educate about that and to like, to not be a gateway, like to the supply chain, but to be a bridge of like, let's talk about it. Like, I want to bring you onto this journey, like with me of understanding where this comes from, which is yeah. why I'm here on this podcast. <laughs> well, that's is, and, and, and we do appreciate it. And um, so one of the things I was just looking at, uh, so we met, via poor choice in in auburn mm-hmm. um poor choice is this amazing coffee shop uh it's down the street from my house my wife and i are there all the time um now i just i my preferred coffee method is just a drip coffee just give it to me black i don't need anything else um i didn't drink coffee for even at this point still more than half of my life so i'm i'm more of a recent adopter of the coffee life and a a okay. black coffee at Poor Choice is three dollars and fifty cents. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at their menu right now, which I I, I don't know if that's a lot or a little because again I, I'm still new to this thing. But at three dollars and fifty cents, seventeen hands touching it, and then you're also in this business. How the hell does anybody make money? I don't understand that. We don't. Is it? Okay. We don't make. All right. just, <laughs> I just wanted to check. Just wanted to check. I'm just. I'm going to go right. back to that statement of like living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Right. You don't. Right. You don't work in coffee to make money. <laughs> okay. All right. I think that's. I think that's something that Chris really that really can resonate with him. So hey, buddy, there's other businesses that you can get into. Where you can also not make money, which yes. I think is 
That's great. It's like my life calling. Perfect. But you know what? We're passionate. We are passionate people. That's right. That's what I live. That's what I leave to my daughter when I die. Is passion just perfect? Crippling my, debt. my passion, which she doesn't get anymore. I'm dead. You're like you're like here. Have have this. No, I think I just I think it's interesting, and I and I have tried to have a deeper relationship with coffee because I again as a, as I mentioned, I kind of see those parallels with um you know with the spirits world, and then in particular like you know, one of, one of the bars here in Sacramento, one of the bar groups, um, they love to hire former baristas as their bartenders. Um, just, they feel like a lot of the same skills translate. And like one of our favorite, uh, bars, the snug, which is ran by our buddy, Russell, uh, Russell was a former barista and now he's a bar manager at, at one of the top bars, not only in Sacramento, but it was like, it just got some national recognition as well from tales of the cocktail too, which is super, super rad. Um, you know, you have been out of the barista game for a long time, but where, where do you see the parallels uh, for that? If you, if you have any that you notice between cocktail, cocktail making and in that. I mean, it's definitely, there's a hustle factor of like, within both industries, like you have to know how to move um, and move quickly and efficiently. And like the least, the most effective movements in the least amount of time. Um, like I worked at Starbucks for four years, like, cause that's how I paid for part of my college. And um, I, that place taught me how to hustle and app like that has trained me like throughout my entire coffee career, like how to move quickly and how to move efficiently and effectively. And so just from that standpoint, it makes complete sense. Like why you would um, like why you would hire a barista for a bartender, but it also like, especially if you're hiring someone from the specialty world, like, you know, that they're going to care about the product. Like when you work in some sort of specialty industry, it's hard not it's hard to like to walk away from that experience and enter into another industry that doesn't give two flying f's about like a, about the product um and so i think like there is that that side of things of like you build this passion and like you build this heart for like for the people and for like the action that you're doing and that just directly translates in my, in my personal opinion, from what I've experienced. Yeah. But I also, I love to hire Starbucks baristas because they know how to, they know how to move. How to get after it. Oh yeah. They're like no more uniform for you. Just come in here and run fast. Um, all right. One last, one last question before we get into our top stories. Um, if you, if you were to recommend, and I, and I understand this, this could probably be a difficult question, but someone's look at the at the store or at their coffee shop and they're looking at just bags and bags and bags of coffee beans right sacks. is there sacks is there beans. Sacks, yeah, bags of beans. Beans. sacks of beans bean sacks is there a country that you can recommend they'd be like you're probably going to have a good coffee if you get it from this place is there anything that comes to mind when you think about that i know you're going to like burn bridges right now but i just i'm curious Andrew, <laughs> Andrew, it's like asking me to choose like my favorite child. That's easy. Yeah. Yep. 
<laughs> See, that's how you can tell I'm not a parent because I'm like, <laughs> like, no, I don't know. I well, okay. So when it comes to the oh, man, what if I phrased it like this? What if I was like, if you really want a good light roast, if you want a dark roast, does that make it easier or harder? Well, okay, so coffee similar to like wine and spirits is so based on like personal preference. So I feel like if you gave me a scenario where you're like, I want cream and sugar and I want a dark roast, I'll be able to be like, for sure you want this place. I want a light roast pour over. I could be like, hell yes, this is your bean. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. You, you, you got it. So, so just so you know, I, I do this to our wine people too. I ask them like, like what country they should go to. And it just like breaks their brains as well. So don't, you're, you're you in good company. It? Yeah. Cause it's hilarious. <laughs> it's off on this. Yes. Yeah. This is, this is going to help me sleep tonight. All right. Your sainthood has just been revoked. You're just answered now. <laughs> really didn't take that long. I knew it was going to happen eventually. Yeah. Well, you know, let's get it over with. Okay. I'll, I'll go personal preference. Dark roast. No cream or sugar, just drinking it black. What country do I need to get? What what country do I need to go to? That's going to be, you know, powerful and all that fun stuff. It's going to challenge my palate. Okay. You want powerful though? Yeah. Powerful. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Well, if we're saying powerful, because that just changes the entire game. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Peru. Peru. All right. Um, Write it down. Yeah. So Peru are, they're such fascinating coffees. Like they have a, they have such a unique flavor profile to them. Like it just, it gives me a lot of tamarind flavor. Um, so it's like this like florality with like a titch of like a fruitiness, but just that, like that lingering spice and sweetness. Um, but like Peruvian coffees can withstand a lot of heat and a lot of developments, so, like a darker roast on it, but still keep like the integrity of the flavor profile. So if you want something darker, but powerful, I would definitely say like, go Peru. I think, I think dark and powerful is a great way to sum up my approach to coffee. So Perfect. well, then I got to find you a Peruvian then. There we go. Yeah, that's that's your that's your next ask. I can't wait to give out your email later and just have people send you this question over and over again. You know, be like, I mean, but bring it on. My email response <laughs> time is slow. <laughs> so six day turnaround. We were talking about earlier. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, I think it's time for our opinions on facts that we've heard from reputable sources. Okay, so our first story that we wanted to talk about, uh, believe it or not, is going to have to do with coffee. Uh, so Remy Cointreau is releasing their St. Remy uh, Cafe, which is going to be a flavored uh, brandy that they're coming out with. In addition to a couple other ones, they're doing an XO Ice Latte, an XO Mocha. And uh, it's just through their research, they've determined that coffee is the second biggest trending cocktail flavor in the world. I think... Um, at this point, people basically have like espresso martinis just like plugged into their veins. I feel like when I go to when I go to bars now, like I can't believe how many espresso martinis I see. It like started as a joke and now it's like a real thing. Um, so when you see uh, when you see coffee flavors 
existing in other parts of the world lately like and especially in one like this like does this make you excited about your industry or kind of like oh here's someone else ruining the thing that i love so much in this world it depends on how they're doing it okay (laughs) so i mean so i mean as we've talked about before like my heart is like in the sourcing side of it like you can destroy a coffee like with roast but if it's been sourced well like i'm on board and into it um, which I'm I'm gonna regret that later. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get an email for sure. I definitely, <laughs> which is fine. Um, but if they're doing it well and like they're representing coffee well, I'm I'm okay with it because it just more than anything else, it just brings to light how dynamic our industry is because it's not just the Folgers anymore. Like it's not the tin can. It is not the like the Keurig it's not just espresso like it's a very dynamic and diverse industry that can be be used in so many different ways so I mean I can't help but like wonder like are they trying to replace like the Irish coffee like that classic but I just you know Bailey's is always going to be Bailey's that's a really good point. I uh, actually hadn't even thought about that, mostly because I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the the uh, espresso martini, other than being sort of bewildered about it making a comeback from the beginning of my career. Uh, when when was that again? A long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You you two clearly have spent way too much time together. You're forgetting that we only met for like 30 seconds. It's li- literally clearly way too much. Yep. <laughs> Those 30 seconds, yep. we became mm-hmm. kindred spirits and knew Christopher, St. Christopher. You both have saintly names. Did you know sure that? But I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I live up to mine more than, more than he does. Oh, we'll, we'll see if he lasts longer than, than 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, that's Not if his wife is involved. So <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. she's pretty hot. Compliment. It's a compliment. Yeah. It's a compliment. She'll hear it in the car and she'll swerve and crash or something when she's listening. Sorry, babe. Sorry, Jen. <laughs> we appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so you know, Chris, with, with the bewilderment, I mean, do you feel like people are coming into the shop looking for more coffee liqueurs and things of that nature? No. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, we sell Mr. Black and that's uh, predominantly what people want when they're coming in. Uh, people aren't really asking us for Kahlua. They're not asking us for, you know, something else. You know, there are plenty of other coffee liqueurs out there and lots and lots of people keep trying to get us to buy them. But um, it's not, you know, I, I, I don't think it's a drink people want to drink at home. I think it's something that people want to go out and have made for them. And, you know, they just want to have one because I can't imagine spending a night drinking espresso martinis. That sounds awful. Um, or. Like, you know, you have to catch an airplane the next, you know, at 5 a.m. I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Do you think that it's a situation of like if you had any coffee liqueur? So let's say you had like the St. George coffee liqueur, which is, mm-hmm. or you know, I, I don't know if it's Lovely. actually still a thing. It is. But that, okay, great. so that really, really great coffee liqueur. I mean, obviously, when we're familiar with the Mr. Black because of because of our good buddy Chris Dooley and how much he used to care about that one um but uh <laughs> well also steve steven uh hits me up every time every time he comes to town so um the well there owner, you go the owner of mr black so you know I, 
It's kind of nice. But do you, so do you think though, it's like, because if like, if you have one, like you're good, like you really don't need one or it's like, or people coming in and be like, give me that Mr. Black or is it like, just give me that coffee liqueur. And once you have the coffee liqueur, you're like, okay, it doesn't really matter what coffee liqueur it is. Yeah. I, I mean, within certain parameters. Yeah. I mean, obviously at, when you walk into good bottle, you're, if you know that you're walking into good bottle, you, you have certain assumptions, Right, like there, there, are, there are already parameters of of quality involved. So if you're looking for a coffee liqueur that we carry, you'll be fine with with any of them. You know that we've put our stamp of approval on it, and you're not just going to get some like crap. I almost said a couple names out there, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> We're not bearing anybody today. We'll we'll do that. We'll do that later. Now, now, uh, you know, Lainey, to go back to your your point, like. You know, I, f- I feel like for the longest time, the only real kind of coffee thing you saw, at least from the big companies, was like the Patron XO coffee, which mm-hmm. I, you know, at the time I was not a coffee drinker. And I just remember being like, this is not for me. Um, but in, in, in the way that you're saying that you want to like, hey, how do we highlight producers and stuff like that? I mean, I mean, how would how do people do you, how would people even go about finding that out? Because I feel like especially with these companies, especially like a Remy Quantra, like they're so big. And if they're going to be producing this product that's going around the world, I mean, you know, you guys are working with small farmers, but I would assume like there's like big industrial coffee bean farms and things like that, that you would probably make it would be safe to assume that they're sourcing from. I mean, is there a way that people can look into it's like, hey even if it's not freaking Remy Quantro cafe or, or whatever, like they're just, they're at, they're at the grocery store. They're looking at it. Like, is there a way to figure out where your coffee is from? That's like easy. Or is it, does it kind of, you know, require you to put on your Indiana Jones hat? I think unless they are vocal about it, you have to put on your Indiana Jones hat. Does that um, come with a whip? It sh- of course it does. Yeah, dude. Whips and cupping, baby. It's going down. Come on. Oh, baby. <laughs> Coffee sounds a lot more sexy than, than booze, I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Listen we're sacred, making- Christopher, you don't even know. <laughs> just send a cheers over. <laughs> so you do have to you you do have to kind of put that extra effort in if yeah. if you're gonna do that. I mean, unless it it's always it's you can always ask the company, but more often than not, they're uh, white labeling with a coffee roaster that's sourcing for them. And so you can. What do you ask, mean by white labeling? White labeling, like they are, uh, like there's a coffee roaster that's doing the sourcing and roasting for them. And then they're purchasing that roasted coffee for their use. Or even the, like if it's a cold brew that they're using, like they'll probably just buy mass produced cold brew from someone hmm. um i mean and i i'm gonna say this but like i'm based off of the size of their brand they're probably working with someone larger like a nestle um or a pete's or a starbucks to get that kind of um volume so yeah but you can always ask i mean i always encourage it never hurts to ask and but I also would question like if you can't if they're not willing to give you an answer then you shouldn't be willing to drink it. Mm-hmm. Now and you guys you you guys buy your beans and are you roasting them yourselves or how does that work? 
Yes. So we, um, I work with producers or exporters and then we use importers as like service providers. We probably won't ever import our own just purely from a liability standpoint. I've lost way too many, uh, way too many containers in tropical uh, storms <laughs> to care to take on that liability. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we so we work with importers, and then importers will hold our inventory for us until we're ready to take it, and then we'll bring it to Auburn and roast it, package it, ship it, deliver it. Any direct to consumer that we can do, we'll do the rest of it. So the the more we can do, the the more cost effective it is for you. Right. I would. It, would it be possible for us to come and see this process go down? I, I just want to put that. this. Yeah, because I've like, I mean, like I feel like I've seen machines, but I've actually never seen like it happen. And I feel like there's this element that I'm not understanding about coffee that I'd be like, I think we need to. So if you if you're down, we here's would. a part. Here's a part of my history that Drew doesn't know. I actually worked as a barista for for a while in a coffee uh, coffee house attached to a roastery. Uh, so I've done all the things, including cupping. Christopher, holding you're out so on us, full of surprises. It's true. Uh, also, slurping is highly encouraged. Drew, is that why my wife does it with her coffee? Because that is yep. infuriating. Listen, the one thing I tell <laughs> she used to work at Starbucks. So, yep. oh yeah, she so she knows. Yeah, yeah. What I always tell brand new cuppers is that they need to slurp like they taught their mama not to do like like their mama taught them not to do okay no, so I like let's the make idea the... of them teaching their mama not to slurp that's that's right. <laughs> so, so what's the so, so what what's happens. the case what's the case for slurping wait so what you're trying to do is because you have a spoon and you fill it about halfway that's what at least that's what i tell people and then you're just trying to slurp this hot liquid and you're because it's a liquid and you want to get it um to a gas form because you're trying to reach your olfactory glands that like are sitting like right in between your eyeballs um and so you just want to get it to coat your entire mouth but also just to get up into your olfactory because you only have five taste buds but you have thousands of little cilia that just live up in your little it's not your brain but it's close to it that is where like your smell receptors live and there's thousands of sensory memories like attached to those like to those receptors and so you slurp to get the coffee to those receptors so you're basically you're trying to get the vapors off of the coffee because that's going to be able to travel up where the liquid's not going to be able to yeah well you're you're vaporizing your coffee yeah i gotta tell you i think we just end the podcast right now there's nothing more important that we're going to learn than than that little moment and i would assume you could you would like do this with other types like you could do this with soup like this is another like the slurping <laughs> am i, I mean, am i going too far down the slurping hole now like what would say otherwise but i see yeah. what you're coming i see what you're saying and the, the spoons well, look very similar well if you did like okay so let's say let's say you were doing like a ramen right and you weren't actually getting some of the bigger pieces, but you were just getting the broth like that could enhance your ramen experience. So not only are we making coffee better for people, we're making ramen better for people right now, too. And I even say, like, bring a, like a cupping spoon to any tasting, like wine tasting, slurp it up, see what happens. Spirit like tasting, it. let's go. 
uh, there's a there's a cellar master cup um that i don't think typically gets used very more very much anymore but um my father long time ago bought me one is it's like pure silver and um so is it a chalice it no it's like uh, it's like a disc and it's shallow okay yeah and it it has like ridges and bumps all around it for like letting it swirl and see the color but then you're supposed to like slurp out of it um and like they wear them on like gaudy chains it's 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 the pimpware of of the wine world it's it's pretty fantastic drew i'll show i'll if i can dig it up i'll show it to you sometime i, I have it in storage somewhere i feel like i just i, I just googled one. it and i'm getting a lot of different results here i think i might have found one that kind of matches that and it would make sense based off other like things i've seen depictions of old like wine art and stuff so okay okay uh let, let me ask a technical question how much is like retro hailing um taught in like as a technique or or used in the coffee world i'm sorry what uh oh, retro hailing it's um uh, essentially you know it's like exhaling through your nose but it's like forcing the forcing the flavor up and out so that's um that's purely experiential <laughs> the like the most <laughs> Um, so I mean, I do that, but I don't teach people how to do that because more often than not, they'll start choking and I don't have insurance. Oh my it's, God. It's fair. so great. It's fair. so great. <laughs> Dude, we're going to go, we're going to go to remedy. We're going to find out how coffee is roasted. We're going to cup it up big time. And then we're gonna yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna slurp, and then we're gonna try not to drown by oh, blowing but water back out. Also, or... don't forget to spit. You and spit like, coffee? Oh, ab- so I have a spittoon, like you know the old tobacco spittoons that you would see in like old westerns. Yeah. So I have an industrial size one of those called spittoonia, and it just. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, now, now, why would you? Okay, why why would you spit coffee? Because I don't want to die of a caffeine overdose. You can't die of a caffeine overdose. But I was I about to be like, God damn it. Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know I've had like two energy drinks in a day. And my heart feels like it's going to explode. Like, shit, did I play with did I play with fire? Listen, don't look at WebMD. They'll tell you that you have cancer. Okay. You don't have cancer. Okay. No, it's just that like I because I work in coffee and I work with caffeine. I'm just like hypersensitive to the amount of caffeine that I consume. Um, but also like when you're like in Guatemala is a perfect example. Like when I'm tasting coffee in Guatemala, I'm tasting 300 different coffees a day. And like, I don't want to consume that much coffee because that might kill me. Granted, I do drink a beer in between each cupping. So, you know, uppers and downers, always a great balance. Just to even it out. Oh, that's so funny. Poor man's eight ball. I like it. So it's not yeah, necessarily so, so like, you know, like in wine and spirits, we will obviously spit because there's, you know, there's a, there's a dumbing down of your, of your palate that occurs, but then also just getting intoxicated is also not going to yield the results that you want. Is, is there. Unless that's the yield that you want. Well, of course. Um, I mean, is, is there a, like, can you burn out your palate tasting too many coffees? Cause that feels like, I mean, 300, even if you're not, even if you're spitting it, it seems like. Like you get to number 300 be like, I gotta tell you, it tastes like the last 60, you know? And it, 
It does, but it honestly just, it depends on the region, like the coffee. So I know for me, Kenyan, Kenyan coffees, I burn out faster than any other coffee, like cupping Kenyans. And that's purely just because of acid. Like acid is the number one thing that takes my palate out. But mm. I also have like trained my palate to know, um, like to identify acidity, sweetness, body and balance without the need to taste it. So, and that's, that's something that, that I learned from COVID when you can't yeah. taste anything, but you still got to taste things. <laughs> right. Um, right. But like, yeah, when you're cupping 300 coffees a day, like you're like, you are like, okay, so I know that, that this coffee is hitting the tip of my tongue more than the last one. And I know that it's coating my, my mouth in a way that the last one did it. And I know that there's this like lingering sweetness that I can't, I, I can't taste anything, but I can feel it. And so it's identifying yeah. those feelers and using that to your advantage. Cause a lot of like what you're tasting for when you're tasting coffee is your taste. Yes, there is the like acidity, sweetness, and like, do you want to make those flavor calls? But at the same time, like you're, you're still checking for like, is this balanced? Is this consistent? Like, is there anything wrong with it? Like, can I taste like any of those taints or defects in it? Um, and so it's just like training your palate beyond its capacity, I guess, is a, the best way of putting it. Yeah, no, I think that I think it totally makes sense. So I, I don't think that we need to really make a break to our next story, but because we're just kind of keeping it in the same vein of, of coffee this whole time. And so moving on to the next story, uh, it, it was basically highlighting the coffee equipment maker fellow is, has raised another $30 million in seed money for its like series B um, projects. And Hell they're going to continue to try to expand and stuff. And one of the, th one of the things that, that stood out to me in it was there was a quote from, from um, the CEO of, fellow it was like we want everybody to have the ability to make a great cup of coffee mm -hmm. and so and that's why they've, they've created all these different machines that you can have at home um i know for myself uh we just we have our own coffee grinder now you know we, like i said we get the we get the world atlas beans we buy beans from poor choice and if i travel somewhere and i find something that looks cool like i grab some beans from there um and then we uh I don't even know. I know there's a, I know there's a term for it, but put the beat, like, you know, grind those up, put them into our little pot, just pour over the hot water and then, and then go from there. Uh, is there, can a machine overcome bad beans and make you a good cup of coffee? I think when I read that story, like that's what I really wanted to ask you, you know, like these people who are investing all this money into this coffee industry, which obviously is very lucrative if you're able to raise $30 million, but it's like, if you don't start with good beans, does in, do any of these coffee machines matter if you don't have good beans to start with? Or can some of them really kind of overcome the shortcomings of that? Um, so immediately my response is no. <laughs> However, I also recognize that like what we were talking about earlier of like, there is that point of preference. Um, so like what I consider bad and the person might love and maybe that's just like the diplomatic response. But I also know that something to take into consideration and something that like I think about constantly is the is a factor that isn't a part of this conversation, which is water. 
because depending on the minerality of the water and like the actual chemical makeup of the water that's being used, it could make or break a coffee. So yes, equipment is huge, but I think the factor that would change it more than the actual equipment and the user is the water that's being used. That's being used. Cause I know like this has happened so many times where I've tasted a coffee from a coffee roaster in Australia and being like, this is their like number one, like their, their number one roaster in all of Australia. And like, this is what they love. Like, this isn't very good. But then like having that conversation, like emailing them and having them be like, well, you're in California, like you're in Santa Cruz, like the water isn't the same that it was, um, same as it is like in Australia. So I think it's more of a water conversation than it is yeah. an equipment conversation. If that is making sense. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's, but, I, I figured out. Equipment I thought, is, is important, especially if you so, want so, consistency from cup to cup, in my opinion. Yeah. So we did French press. That's what I have is that's, and that's how we do our coffee. Can you guys hear me or no? Yeah. Okay. It's like, Chris, do we wait for yeah. Drew to connect again? <laughs> It says you're offline on on I think our side. As long as yours says that you're you're connected, Druid. Yeah, well, I don't think sorry Lainey, everybody for your little technical difficulty here, but yeah, I don't think Lainey can out. can can hear me. Um, let on me type it in. She can see the chat. Mistress, can Chris? Can you reach out to her and see if can she toes. hear you? Yeah, she can. Uh, um. I can hear Drew, Lenny. Can you hear Drew? Mm-mm. Can't hear Drew. Okay. No, I can't hear. I can't hear Drew. Well, that's lucky for you because he's like the voice in my yid. Right? <laughs> I'm glad you got that reference. That was I, well, <clears throat> here's the thing. I love Blink-182. Don't waste your time, mommy. Okay. okay. Have you heard the Robert Plant and Blink-182 song? I have not. It's really good. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'll have to find out. That's it's, great. I mean, it's it's a hoot and a holler, <laughs> I must say. <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving on. Let's uh, let's uh, move on to Drew's favorite uh, section here. Dope follows. You know who's dope? Them over there. All right. This is the part where Drew says, hey, everybody, this is my favorite part of the episode where you tell us who to follow, what TV shows to watch, what podcasts you definitely should listen to when you're not listening to us already. But obviously you're listening to us because this is how you know that you got to those ones, too. Anyway, Lainey, who are your dope follows? Um, Okay. So I know you said one, but I have to because I have an industry one. And Unacceptable. An industry one. Terrible. No, I'm the worst. So actually, usually Drew has like seven, so it's fine. Perfect. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I I feel redeemed. I feel okay. Um. So my industry follow is a podcast called Making Coffee with Lucia Solis. So she's it's a, a long name. I know. I mean, just look up Making Coffee. And then Lucia Solis will pop up. Um, But she's an ex winemaker that now is a fermentation specialist for coffee producers. And she's like 
if you want to get in the weeds of fermentation and like get into the weeds of the actual like microbial happenings within coffee, she's your gal. Um, like really knowledgeable. She does a great job like taking really complex issues or complex ideas and dumbing it down for us layman babies. So big fan of her. And then my not one that brings me so much joy is a podcast called Scam Goddess. (laughs) It's just a podcast about scams. It's fantastic. (laughs) I mean... I mean, that's like, that's more tame than murder podcasts. So good for you. Well, I, I, I'd listen to murder podcasts, like, don't like the heavy hitter, the heavy hitter series on like the last podcast on the left, like, let's go. But today what brings me joy is scam goddess. It's just historic hoodwinks. I love it. Who wouldn't want that? (laughs) Uh, Drew's, uh, I, I'm gonna, uh, try to. Oh, Drew's is Tara Wine Queen. Sorry, Tara Wine Queen writes. She shares a lot of literature in her memes, and they're funny. <laughs> uh, it's true. Also, history in, in the memes. Uh, Drew and I were laughing about them a lot last night and the night before. Uh, so that was, was pretty good. I definitely agree. Tara Wine Queen says T-A-R-A W-I-N-E Q-U-E-E-N-W-R-I-T-E-S. That's right, Drew. She referenced the Odyssey. It's also like, you know, and the Iliad. Come on, dog. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine is uh, not industry related. It is uh, Pasta et al. Uh, like et al. is <laughs> like, it's a, you know, that's a talk about a literature joke. Uh, but this is uh, all about uh, pasta. It is a father and son. They make insanely attractive pastas. Uh, that are just way too pretty and no one should know how to actually make that. And it's really incredible. Um, And so they just like post these beautiful pasta and food photos with recipes and so on and so forth. It's a lot of fun. That's pasta at Al P A S T A E T A L all one word. You know, who's dope them over there. The Good Bottle Podcast. Sorry, the music for the Good Bottle Podcast is orchestrated by the Brothers Moore and produced pretty terribly these last two episodes uh, by Drew and myself. Uh, I am uh, very happy with our walk-on music that we included today, so uh, you're all welcome for that. Uh, If you've enjoyed today's episode, please smash that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. If you would like to uh, get a hold of me, you could on my Instagrams, you can find me at Chris Sinclair uh, or uh, Chris Sinclair at gmail.com. You can find Drew at uh, D Garrison six and Lainey, where can they find you? They can find me at Drury Lane on instagram just like the muffin man my just parents like just, the muffin man the muffin man who lives on drury lane <laughs> uh you can also find 
Uh, check out our Etsy, Etsy shop and you can find amazing uh, fanny packs that Drew loves to sell, as well as some really fantastic t-shirts that uh, I wear all the time because I'm a self-proclaimed uh, booze pundit. Respect. Respect. Just- and I don't remember what else uh, what else you say, Drew. <laughs> Drew's typing. Oh, <laughs> the email. Ah, you can reach us at the good bottle podcast.com sorry at gmail.com yeah the good bottle podcast at gmail.com this is great this is like amazing content for our listeners this is this is great they all get to listen to me this is why I, chris shuts up and lets drew do all like the interviewing and uh and then i just share my opinion but uh, saying christopher really, you're doing a great job i'm really good at sharing my opinion and i'm really bad at reading scripts perfect until next time everybody Thank you so much. You're a lovely group of human beings. Lainey, cheers. Cheers. Until I'm so next. happy we actually got Drew to shut up for a few minutes, even if it just came down to like technical difficulties. This is like my dream, honestly. This is lovely. So, so then you start another podcast without Drew. No, I won't do that. Okay. okay. I won't do that. That said, just sounds like too much work. I like what making him do work. All right. I I respect and support that. You sound like a great delegator. Professional. (laughs) 